John Hare, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So, John, the only thing I really know about you is that you have an amazing Twitch channel. I recently discovered it, and I have to say, I was completely enamored with it. It is wild. It is educational. It is interesting. And the Twitch channel is called Burrows Forge. I'm going to spell that. It's B-U-R-R-O-W-S Forge. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about why you started that channel? Yeah. Um, well, well, first, thank you so much for, for having me here. I appreciate it. And those are kind words. Um, I uh, The reason why I started Burroughs Forge is because I kind of think, you know, I, I'm just like everybody else. I have passions, I have hobbies, and I wanted to uh, learn more about those. Uh, having a stream allowed me a, an outlet to kind of dedicate some time uh, to actually do these hobbies. And I wanted to encourage other people to also um, pursue their own hobbies. Um, I mean, everything I've learned, I don't claim to be an expert in, in any of my fields, um, but it's all from YouTube and going to classes and meeting and talking to people. And so I think um, Twitch specifically was an interesting platform for me because I feel there's a lot of people like me who love to play video games, um, but I think we all have something else that we might like to pursue that's a little bit more creative, a little bit more hands-on. And so I wanted to be on Twitch to help others find things that are interesting. It doesn't have to be blacksmithing or beekeeping or mead making or, you know, cigars I like to talk about. So it's it's really up to them to find something that they're passionate about. And then we actually have a Discord too, where we share some of our passions that we have and, and we all kind of help support each other and help drive creativity and learning. Very cool. And just to be clear, the Twitch channel features a wide variety of things from, like you said, blacksmithing, falconry, beekeeping, cigars. Yeah. Uh, you really run through the gamut of all your hobbies, don't you? Yes. Um, and, and there's really nothing that's that's kind of, I mean, if, if I picked up something new, I'd probably share that with people. Um, and it seems like people enjoy the, the, the beekeeping and the falconry the most. Um, blacksmithing is something that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, and then the, uh, the mead making, we haven't done much on the channel for that yet, but I, I do enjoy making mead and I'm probably going to have some here in a little bit. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely fun just engaging with people and answering questions and kind of, I think with blacksmithing specifically, um, the blacksmithing community is all about teaching for the most part. And sure, sure. I'm sure you can find some people who are a little bit secretive about certain techniques and things that they have, but as a whole, blacksmiths are very uh, open to sharing the knowledge and continuing uh, the traditions on. So I find the stream is a great place. Like every time I do blacksmithing or anytime I stream, I always have people be like, Oh, I really want to get into it. And I can help them find, um, Abana, which is a group of blacksmiths here in the United States and, and just help them get on those first steps. And, um, that's really rewarding to me because, you know, I, I feel like, uh, I have an opportunity to, to help somebody be, um, productive with their time, maybe in a different way than, than they're used to and to, to grow as a person. So. Yeah, and just to be clear, you're out in Florida, aren't you? Yes, uh, Central Florida. Um, and so I've actually been here for four or five years now. I actually grew up here um, in West Western Florida uh, quite some time ago and then kind of moved around. I lived in Vermont for a few years and then uh, lived out in Germany for six months, lived in Japan for six months. Then I went on vacation to Maui and ended up staying there for seven years. Uh, so it's kind of been just just... A journey uh, for me, but I've been very fortunate that I've just been able to kind of be all these different places and experience different cultures and, and kind of pick up things as I go. So. so tell me, what do you actually do for a living? Um, and that's, that's a very good question. I'm actually, I've been laid off. Um, so I, I previously, I did work for a company called Clean the World. And we uh, took used soap from hotels once the guests checked out ground it down into brand new bars of soap, sterilize it, and gave it to children and families around the world. Um, in the last 10 years, uh, the company has reduced the top two killers of children worldwide, which is diarrheal disease and pneumonia, uh, with its partners around the world uh, by over 60%. Um, and so it was, it was a really cool company to work for. I really loved that job. But um, as we all know, like hotels were hit really hard by uh, the, the pandemic. And, um, you know, they... Since they didn't have any guests staying at their hotel, they didn't really want to pay the bills anymore for our service, uh, which I understand. I mean, it's their it's revenue that they didn't have coming in. So um, we had to shrink down a lot. And so I, I uh, ended up, I was laid off. And we've kind of talked a few times about getting something going again, at least for my part. That company is still doing very well. And 
doing some great work, but my side of the business where I work with hotels directly isn't really there anymore, um, at least the way that it used to be. And so at some point, I'd love to go back there and kind of continue that, but I'm taking the opportunity now um, to, I mean, I taught myself uh, Premiere Pro and some video editing skills. So I could, I really looked at this. I had, I had a few months with, you know, with this whole COVID thing and I, and I hopefully some other people would be able to take advantage of this situation that we're into to make the best of what we had that, you know, there was an unemployment that was available. Um, and I continued to see if I could find some work somewhere, but I also took my downtime to better myself and skills. And so I learned how to do video editing. I got my garage cleaned up a little bit better for the stream, got to make sure I got the stream running correctly. And it gave me a lot of um, time to really focus on building myself up better. So I tried to make the most I could of that time. Um, and we always try to encourage people on stream too to, to kind of take advantage of that if they have that available. So um, I was very, I, I was laid off, which is, I mean, I obviously, everyone would love to go how, back to how it was six months ago, right? Um, but I'm trying to make the best of my situation. And I actually looking into maybe doing some photography work at this point. So, um, which will allow me to, again, broaden my skill set that I have. Um, and hopefully bring more to my uh, people who like to view me through YouTube videos and more time with cameras and maybe doing some cool stuff that way. So always trying to keep moving and inventing and, and building. Yeah, it sounds like you really made the best out of a could, I mean, could have been really bad situation, right? I mean, a lot of people get laid off, they get depressed, or they get down in the dumps about it. But it sounds like you really kind of said, okay, I'm, you know what, this is the perfect time for me to try these new things. You learned how to do video editing. You created a killer trailer. I mean, that when I saw that trailer for the first time during a Twitch stream, I was like, I had shivers. And I remember asking you about it. I was like, mm. I was like, dude, tell me about this. And you were like, yeah, I, I learned how to do this. Mm. <laughs> I was like, whoa. So yeah. I think it's, uh, it's really cool. And which leads me to my next question, which is, to me, this, this show that you have on Twitch seems like something I'd want to see on Netflix. Is it something that you you would want to do is maybe become like a sort of television personality? Um, I mean, that's always a possibility, right? Oh, I mean, I, I think that would be great. I mean, um, um, I, I'm still trying to figure out what people find entertaining. Um, it's I, I don't I really don't know what kind of viewers or listeners you're going to have for this podcast, but it really is interesting because I found that the. Some of the streams that people like the most are me just sitting there and building something, smoking a cigar and drinking some beer and just talking to people. And and I'm like, for me, I'm just like, I could be forging or doing something like really crazy, I think being creative. And then sometimes people just like to sit down and interact with you, you know, and, and have a discussion. And, you know, it just constantly deciding, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a TV show or anything like that. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but, you know, always trying new things. You never know what might pick up and, and catch. And so if you have creative people listening or people on Twitch, um, you know, always trying new things and never saying no to something, you know, just like give it a shot. I mean, it might work. It might not work. And, you know, you could try 10, 15, 30, 50 things before you find that one thing that you love and it really connects with your audience. And so, you know, I, I'm just trying to keep that in mind and being open to whatever, like just like this podcast. I've never been on a podcast before. Um, but I thought that was to be pretty cool. And I, I love talking with people and sharing. And, um, and it's funny when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to actually go, my dad had ponds in the backyard and I had a microscope, you know, like one of those cheapy, you know, $25 or whatever ones that came in a science kit. And I go get pond water and I look at it, you know, in my, with my microscope and look at all the cool little stuff that was in there. So, um, when I came across your stuff, I was, I thought, oh, this is really cool. I can't believe someone's actually doing this, you know, and, and, uh, uh, Twitch channel rather. So, um, I just, I kind of felt, uh, connected to you in a way. And I thought this would be kind of fun just to kind of, uh, come on here and, and, and have a conversation. So, but TV show, yeah. obviously that'd be great. I mean, um, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I think you're going to get a lot more podcast, um, interview requests, uh, you know, as time progresses, it's something that just, you know, it's an avalanche really. You do mm -hmm. your first one, you do another one, you do another one. And that's just what happens. And especially because your Twitch channel is so very um, specific and yet it has a, a variety of hobbies. Um, I want to talk about blacksmithing because okay. I'll be, I'll be frank with you. That's my favorite one. Hmm. 
uh, my dad made made a knife when he was I don't know how how old he was, but he made his own knife at one point. My dad's a bower, right? He makes traditional wow. uh, archery bows and stuff. But he gave me a knife that he made. Um, he made it from a I don't know how you say it in English, but it's like a file that you use, you know, like a metal Grass file. Or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just made a knife out of that. Have you made a lot of knives or swords or things like that? Um, I've, I've made a few here and there. Uh, blacksmithing is very interesting because there's a lot of different skill sets within blacksmithing. There's architectural blacksmithing. Um, there's bladesmithing. Um, there's people who do art and sculpture. Uh, there's, there's people who do like little trinkets and crafts for craft shows. And they're all very different. And so I'm always trying again, to be a little bit more well-rounded. Um, I like knives. Um, there is a good market for that. So if you're looking to to make money as a blacksmith, um, making knives is definitely something that, uh, I mean, there's an interest in it. That's what you asked about, you know, about the knife, you know, and, and it's a very iconic of a blacksmith to have a big sword or something that they forged. And all those things are, are definitely possible. Um, but I'm just trying to continue to explore different areas. Uh, I've made a lot of bottle openers and cooking instruments right now. I had a really fun stream that kind of put me in this direction. It was called the Forge and Feast. And I uh, forged a pair of barbecue tongs for hamburgers, and then I cooked burgers on the grill, and then sat there and ate and you know drank and whatever. And and so um, that kind of got me on this cooking kick of making steak flippers and things that I can use. And I want to have, I want to be able to make things that people find um, useful. The hope is eventually open up some kind of like a little online shop. Um, but uh, finding kind of what's the magic um, bit that continues to push me as a, as a blacksmith and then also uh, holds my interest. Um, this is probably something that will end up coming up, so I might as well talk about it. But I have ADHD, um, and I was uh, diagnosed with that when I was very young. And for me, um, I have to keep doing multiple things um, all the time to keep my interest going. So um, I know I'm kind of tired of making safe flippers right now. I probably want to make some knives, but then eventually I get tired of knives and want to do something else. So you know, constantly being all these different hobbies I have too also help with that. Um, and video games was a big part of that. I mean, that's why I played so many video games as a kid because it, it kept me out of trouble. Um, because if I didn't have something to focus on, um, I would, I used to get in a lot of trouble. I was in all remedial classes at school. I got in fights all the time. Um, you know, I refused to read and write and, uh, you know, it took me a lot of work to kind of overcome all those things, but by being creative, that was really, um, allowed me to focus on something and really put a lot of energy into it. And, you know, I love, I love being creative and solving problems and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, ADHD has been something that's been driving me to not stick with anything for too long. Uh, and that's, what's great about Twitch because I can do something one day and then try something completely different. And people tend to enjoy the content that I have. And you start to build a, a group of people who enjoy watching you and, have a great community with other streamers and friends and things. And, and before you know it, you can be doing something completely different that you never thought you'd be doing. So um, it's really, it's a really cool community in that way. And you, you know, you're familiar with the knowledge fellowship, um, yes. which is another great community that's on Twitch. And uh, there are so many talented people there that are sharing anything from, you know, rockets to cleaning up trash on, on the beach and saving sea turtles. I don't know if you happen to see, Dr. WD40's stream the other day. Yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah, he saved those sea turtles, you know, that he found. So there's Twitch is such an amazing place. It's not just about video games. There's cooking shows and all these other things you can do. So you never know what you can end up doing as a streamer, um, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah, Twitch is, um, boy, let me tell you, when I first joined, I had no idea what, what I was getting into. And then I discovered, you know, because you hear everything in the news about gamers and, and the toxic culture and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm a video gamer as well. So, you know, when I first joined Twitch, I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into, man. This is crazy. And then I started getting, you know, help and support from a community that was essentially organically building. And it just, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, have you ha- have you found the community quite supportive on Twitch? Absolutely. Um, it's it's it was really exciting to me one day. There's this blacksmith I used to watch and still do um, all the time. His name is Rory. It's the Dirty Smith, and he has a whole bunch of YouTube content. And so I was just in my channel one day doing some stuff, and he and he came up and it was like the Dirty Smith, and I was like, "Are you are you the 
Dirty Smith? And he's like, yeah, that's me. I was like, oh, my God. You know, it was like I was starstruck for a second. Um, but he comes in now and he hangs out and I'll be building something and he'll help me give me tips and things. I actually have a lot of blacksmiths that watch me um, and they, they don't stream themselves, but they find the content interesting. And all the time I'll be working on something and somebody will tell me how to do it better or whatever. And so it's actually helped me grow a lot by streaming because I have all these experts that come in and hang out and, and chat and do things. And the community on Twitch is, is fantastic. It's um, I think, when you get to the level of some of the big time streamers that have, you know, 20,000 people watching them at that point, the communities can get a little bit out of control because you have people just coming on there and saying whatever. But um, when you're in to the, the small, the medium to somewhat large streamers, community is fantastic. Um, and then you can still have, I think there's another person that's co carnage. He plays a lot of video games. He has more of a family kind of style stream. Um, but with him, he's he's cultured his community very strongly since the get go, and he has twenty, thirty thousand people in there, and it's a super positive, really great community of people that kind of all support each other, lift each other up. He doesn't even he'll put on like a back recording of a stream he did like a year ago, and people still just hang out there and chat because they love the community so much. He's done weddings and stuff like crazy craziness. That's craziness has happened on this stream. So um, the community at Twitch is, is incredible in the support group that's outside of it, like the knowledge fellowship, you know, all those people there. Um, if I have a question and stuff, there's another group that's the, the IRL group on discord, the name's kind of escaping me at the moment. Um, I'd have to look it up, but, uh, there are so many friendly people. It's pretty incredible. And that's something that Rory commented on is that he loves the community at Twitch. And it's very interactive. It's live TV, which is something you can't get from any other platform like Instagram. You start to get a little bit of that there, but Instagram mostly is one of pictures or videos or whatever. Same thing with YouTube. Um, but Twitch is nothing but live content. And so you have a chance to interact and ask that person questions um, and have a relationship with that viewer, whatever it is, live, with live TV, which is you can't get anywhere else, really. Yeah. Did you find... Um... Did you start the Twitch channel in order to connect with people? Is that really primarily what led you to starting that channel? Um, so I actually streamed. I mean, the first thing was, was, you know, I was like, man, I could just play video games, get paid. Is that, That's pretty cool. You know, so and that was that was when I two, three years ago, um, I played or did Twitch for a few months or something. And I played some game and I didn't have anybody watch me. Um, but I in the back of my head, I was kind of forming this other plan for doing a blacksmithing stream where I have I have four cameras typically I have an over-the-shoulder cam I have a shot of uh, two shots of the anvil and like a studio shot and you know I was kind of piecing all this stuff together and kind of coming up with this idea of trying to bring something that no one else has on Twitch to try to broaden the you know the content that's available there through blacksmithing and then um I was doing the falconry and stuff and like that people who don't really understand the, the Twitch kind of community and how all that kind of stuff works is that typically when you start streaming, you, you don't stream to anybody for months and months and months. It's just you and you're like talking to the camera and no one's there and you just have to, you know, keep up with that. Um, I started a falconry stream and I had uh, like 15, 17 people watching right off the bat um, to usually turn on the camera. And I was affiliated within my first seven days. Um, and so just like the whole thing kind of um, opened up. It, I haven't seen a huge growth spike or anything, but I was, I had a lot of people who were interested in these things, uh, which was great. Um, but another reason why I wanted to do Twitch mainly, um, besides sharing all this content is, is keeping me on a schedule. So I have to stream two or three days a week, uh, sometimes four. And by having the stream, it really helps me because it's 90 degrees, 95 degrees here in Florida. I'm standing by a forge that's 2000 degrees. And uh, it's hot. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I don't feel like going out to the forge um, during the summer. But if I have a stream that's depending on me to be there, it helps me stay on top of that instead of just going to sit on the couch or whatever it is that I find to do inside that day. So um, it's, it's also been really good for me. And, I, and maybe that's something that, that somebody here maybe can listen to this and think they're never going to want to be on Twitch or anything. But maybe it'll help you as an artist. Like, say you want to be an artist and you want to practice that well just set up a camera and practice painting on twitch and you set up a schedule and then now you have a reason to practice four days a week for an hour or whatever it is and so it can really be a good tool to keep you motivated keep you um involved because i can tell you without a doubt i would not be into my hobbies as often 
as I would be if I didn't have Twitch there to uh, hold me to some kind of a schedule and expectation. So for me, it's a really good tool in that regard. You mentioned um, that changing the variety of what you're streaming on Twitch is really uh, helpful in terms of your managing your ADHD. What would you say to a young, you know, 19-year-old boy who just, you know, discovered he's also got ADHD, has issues with, you know, balancing his schedule or, you know, is getting frustrated? What What is your advice? You've lived with it for so long. Um, I mean, it's hard. Um, I think, I mean, I, typically, like, ADHD, usually you get diagnosed with when you're a lot, a lot younger. Um, and so I think for parents, it's really important to find things that interest your kids. and. For someone even more so with ADHD, it's important to encourage that um, because that's if you can keep your kid interested in things, you might be crazy and doing a whole bunch of different stuff or whatever. I mean, my I mellowed out so much. It took me a long time to really kind of mellow out because I was always all over the place doing a billion different things. Someone had someone I heard said it was kind of like having your mind was like having a Ferrari, you know, and you had you were just given the keys to this Ferrari that wants to go, you know, 200 miles an hour. You have to figure out how to harness it. And if you can, you can do some incredible things, you know, and I'm always, my wife makes fun of me because I'll like be thinking about all this random stuff. And then like, I'll go and start food and then I'll go sit down. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, got my dinner, man. I'm like, you know, I have to go back and get it because I'm just like constantly, like my mind is going like a racehorse nonstop, you know? And, and, uh, and I think if you can learn how to focus that, um, ADHD can actually, comes with some, I don't want to say benefits, but it, it can really, if you learn how to harness it and how to apply it, um, you can do some incredible things like being able to teach yourself how to do things and stuff. Like if you can find something you're really interested in, I can really sink my teeth in to stuff like, and almost get obsessive with, with these new hobbies or new things I want to get into. Um, but my problem is then is continuing to stick with it. Um, and so, you know, just like that 19 year old kid, you know, finding a way, maybe finding a group of friends that do it or find some reason, some way to anchor himself in something that he's interested in. Uh, so he doesn't lose interest. Um, and for me, it's Twitch. Maybe for him, it's having a group of friends or something once a month meetings or whatever it is that he can go out and do stuff like blacksmithing is great. Um, because all over the United States, you know, usually once a month, there's a meeting or something nearby where you're at. So you can go there and meet, make friends and get some time at the forge and all that kind of stuff, you know, and if you have things you can find to help anchor you, I think it's really important. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard because you can be so frustrated that like you lose, you lose satisfaction in doing things that used to give you a lot of, like you can't hold your interest for very long. So that's, that's the, that's a difficult thing. I think it's, uh, dealing with this kind of, um, no condition or whatever it is. So, but it is possible to, to continue with it. I would, I used to be on Ritalin and all this other kind of stuff, you know, for a very long time. And, um, I think, uh, in high school, I kind of stopped taking it and was just really was able to figure out how to deal with it and to, to kind of focus my mind for short times. So I'm, I'm never a person that can do well in tests and that kind of stuff. That was never me. Uh, but I found other ways to be constructive and that's, that's the key is, is finding constructive ways to age yourself and, and safe ways and all that kind of thing. And that's was video games. You know, I could, dive into video games, I could play something like crazy for a while and then get sick of it and try a different game. And it was a really big crutch for me and it's still um, a problem. I Right now I like to play Mountain Blade Bannerlord, um, which is a new game that's come out. And so like, you know, I could be doing other things besides playing that. And so you always, always kind of have to fight with that. You know, but I think it can be a good tool. So wait, there's a new version of Mountain Blade. Yeah. Uh, I had no Banner idea. World. Yeah, yeah, just uh, it's us uh, on Steam early access and it's great. Oh. Um so it's still not it's still not finished yet. So they're going through the betas uh with it right now trying to fine tune it and all that, but um you can get it on Steam. I think it's like 20 or 30 bucks or something, I think. It might be more than that because this is like a a bigger release. There's a lot more they packed into this game than the other ones, so. So is that your favorite genre, more of the RPG type? Um I, I definitely love RPGs like um, Fallout and uh, the Elder Scrolls games are really big. You know, I, I played Morrowind. I used to play a lot of MMOs uh, back in the day. Like I played World of Warcraft when it first came out. I played Ever EverQuest 2, uh, Dark Age of Camelot was another one. So there's like a, I used to play a lot of MMOs, but those are another game where um, I get really into it and I'll play it like 
tons of hours invested and then i'll just like be sick of it one day and and, and won't go back for six months so um but uh i also like shooters although i'm not very good anymore um so oh uh another one that's been a lot of fun right now is uh sea of thieves have you played that no i have not uh it's a pirate game and so you're just uh on the ocean playing with four friends uh looting shooting other ships and uh just having crazy shenanigans so i've i've actually consider doing some stream consider doing some streaming of that at some point with friends um because we just drink and and cause shenanigans and and uh <laughs> and just have a good time you know it's a really fun game um but it's really good with friends but that's another great game are you into any builders like minecraft or things like that yeah so that was um that was something i struggled with for a while was was i i i've been moving a little away from those games a little bit because i always wanted to have a creative outlet and I found myself investing a lot in those games. And then when I figured out that I was playing those games because I wanted to be creative in my actual life, then I tried to focus on being creative in my actual life and I don't actually play those games as much anymore. So um, I'm now that I'm streaming, um, you know, three or four days a week and I found that I don't not as interested in those kind of creative building games anymore because I'm exercising that part of my brain a lot more. Um, and so now when I play video games, it's more of a kind of a relax and chill out kind of thing instead of trying to build and construct and, and using, you know, the creative side of building things. Um, so it's a little bit, it's, it's, I definitely enjoy those games, but I haven't played them in quite a while. So. Makes sense. You're, you've got your hands full right now. Um, how did you discover falconry? Um, so I think, um, a lot of these, these things. Well, falconry is a good example. I just, as a kid, I always thought it was really cool. And um, I was big into medieval stuff. You know, I've always been interested in knights and, and that time period. But I didn't think it was anything I could ever do. I thought you had to have these crazy permits or something or work at a zoo or whatever it is. And it was actually in Florida. I was working at events and I met some people from um, this company called Medieval Times. And they have like a dinner show kind of thing they, that they do. I love Medieval Times. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely fun. It's it's a cool little show to check out. And one of the people there were, was a, like I had a bird or whatever. It was, I think it was a red-shouldered hawk or something. And and I asked, I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. Like, how do you get this job? Because I see some young kid with this bird or something. I'm like, how do I do that? And he's like, oh, well. You know, we have a licensed falcon or whatever, and and um, you know, I'm just I just work here and occasionally handle the birds or whatever. And I was like, that's really neat. And he's like, well, anybody can be a falconer, you know. And I was like, what do you mean anybody can be a falconer? He's like, yeah, you just have to you know go take the test or whatever, and and do these things or whatever. And and so at that point, it it piqued my interest um, and started doing some research, watch a lot of YouTube videos, of course, you know, uh, and found some local falconry groups in my area. And there is a a avian reconditioning center that's near where i live and so i went there and volunteered for six months or so trying to figure out is this something i'm really interested in and decided i did want to pursue falconry um and uh you have to take a test it's about uh, 300 questions that they ask you 100 of them randomly you have to find a sponsor who's already like i believe a master or maybe a general falconer who's a two or five year falconer uh to sponsor you and then you also have to build a facility to house the bird. And that facility has to be inspected by Fish and Game Wildlife. Um, and each state's a little bit different on the requirements, but that's generally what you have to do. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I um, you know, told my wife, uh, and I'm very fortunate to have a very supporting wife of all my, my crazy hobbies that I do. Um, and uh, went out and found a sponsor and did all the volunteering and kind of learned about the animals. and then. Um, went out and trapped my first red-tailed hawk and uh, and it and learned how to, to do that whole process. Uh, kind of just uh, just get started. I mean, that's what I do with most stuff. I watch a few videos and then I just uh, kind of do it, you know. And I think uh, and there's a lot of people you'll find that are willing to help if you get started. And if you're if you if you're willing to put the time into something, you show up without anybody trying to help you. But in the effort, a lot of times you'll find that people want to continue to help you along and to share and to grow. And that's what's happened with blacksmithing for me, for sure. And also with falconry and things too, the people I've met along the way. Same thing with beekeeping. Now that I'm a beekeeper, I meet other beekeepers all the time or you know, 
other bee people and they always want to help me or, or show me or come look at my hives or whatever it is. So, um, you know, if you have a passion for something, you, you'll find that things, doors kind of open up for you to pursue that. So, Very true. For the falconry license, is that something that you have to renew every year? Uh, so it does. I think it's every couple of years or so. Um, you have to get it renewed and there's different levels. So like after you start off as an apprentice and then after, uh, I believe it's two years, you can apply to be a general falconer, um, assuming your sponsor approves it. And then after for the general, I think that's another three years that you're a general falconer and you can apply to be a, a master, uh, falconer. I believe there's a test. I haven't really researched that stuff too much. Honestly, I've been an apprentice and my sponsors told me that he'd give me my letter to go on to the next level, but I just haven't uh, really pursued it. Um, I've, I've, uh, I like to work with red tailed hawks. That's kind of what, there's something very um, special about falconry because you can take this bird from the wild and they have an 80% chance that they're going to die that first year in the wild, these red tailed hawks. And so you can take that bird out of the wild you can uh, feed it, teach it how to hunt, because when it's with you and you go out hunting, um, if it misses its prey, you bring it home and feed it. So it, when it, it's with you, it has all that opportunity to gain that experience. And then you can release that bird back out into the wild, and it has a much higher chance of continuing the species because it knows how to hunt. It's had all that experience with you on failing and failing and failing, um, but still having the opportunity to continue to grow and learn. And in the wild, if you fail, three or four times, you know, um, you can end up starving. So uh, there's so many things right now too, for territory scarcity, disease, um, uh, sorry, food scarcity. So there's, there's a lot of things that impact these birds. And I find that aspect of falconry very interesting that and, and very privileged that you can take this bird and have that time with it. And then when you release it, it can continue. And I think that's really cool. And so I've been very happy with that. Um, I have considered getting a different type of bird that's a little bit more um, uh, used to working as a community with other animals. There's something called a Harris hawk, and uh, that's the next bird I like to get because they actually hunt in, in groups called a cast. And I have a dog, um, Angus, who I've been working on teaching how to do some rabbit hunting. And the Harris hawk is much more um, apt to want to hunt with a pack or, you know, a cast, you know. In this case, it'd be me and my dog, than a red tail who is more of a solitary hunter. So um, eventually I'll probably move to doing Harris hawks. But for right now, I very much enjoy um, trapping um, a wild red tailed hawk and then turning it into a falconry bird and then putting it back out. How long do you spend time with this hawk? Um, so it's, it's really, it's, um, it's a pretty big commitment when you, uh, as, as far as how long you keep it, you can there's technically there's no nothing that says that you have to release that bird so you could keep it for 20 30 years um they can live up to maybe 30 years or so no one's really sure in captivity um but uh typically falconers will keep them for like you know anywhere from a year to three years or so um but it's really up to the falconer and what they want to do my last bird Estrella, i had her for i think four years uh going on five and um, I was very fortunate to be able to work with her. She taught me a lot as my first bird. Um, hopefully she learned quite a bit from me as well. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, to the challenge with the new bird. I just released her on stream, um, a few months ago. Um, and so that was kind of bittersweet. I think when it came up closer and closer to the time of me releasing her, I think I figured out that I probably would have released her, you know, maybe a year or two earlier, but. I did actually grow attached to her uh, in the end. She was she was very fierce. I have I have rips in my shirt and scars to prove it. So um, she she was very food uh, oriented, and she did not like me getting in the way of that. So um, how do you decide though? Like how do you decide? Okay, uh, next month I'm going to release her. Um, well, it just depends. Sometimes on the season, uh, there's certain times of year that's good to release the bird. Um, I had known that I wanted to. Uh, trap a red-tailed hawk coming up in this season and for the for falconry you can only take a bird that's under a year old because if it's made it past that year then it's made it you know it's gone past that 80 percent chance of it dying in the wild so 
you're not able to take from the wild a bird that's younger or older than a year. And so I knew that this was coming up in September or something like that, and maybe July, August, somewhere in there. And so I was preparing for that. Um, I did want to get the season finished with her, which usually goes until about April or so. It's really when their molt kind of starts. Um, and so I really wanted to push that last season, see if I can help her as much as I could. And then once we finish that, I released her. So, um, okay. But February is also another really good time to release them. It's really up to kind of you and how what you think is best for the bird. If someone is interested in both blacksmithing and falconry equally, okay, um, <laughs> which one would you recommend for a beginner in terms of cost, in terms of um, a learning curve? Which one is easier for a beginner to learn? I would, I would definitely say blacksmithing. Um, I think uh, there's, there's a lot of groups that are out there where you can get time at an anvil without spending any money um, by going to, to meetings for Abana. It's the American Blacksmithing Association of North America. If you go onto their website, it's abana.org. Um, they actually have a map of all the different clubs that they have here in the United States. They also have some in Australia and around Europe and in the UK and in Canada. So um, you can go to one of the meetings and get some time and meet a whole bunch of people. And you don't even have to have a own an anvil to, to experience blacksmithing. Um, with falconry, you can also get started in falconry by finding falconers in your area. And it's in volunteering just to go and beat brush, uh, brush for them. And you basically go out in the field with a stick and you beat on the bush, try to get the rabbits to run. You get time seeing a falconer work with this bird and you can get close to them and kind of learn about it. Um, but there's, there's a real commitment to a, like a living animal with falconry. And so I think you really need to make sure it's something you want to do before you make that leap into to falconry. Whereas blacksmithing, it's very easy to play at it for a while to figure out if it's something you really want to do. Um, and you can always buy an anvil when you find one for cheap and it can sit in your garage for two years and it's fine. Um, can't do that with a red-tailed hawk. So um, I, I guess I would, I would love for anyone to pursue falconry. Um, but just, you know, if you have a chance like I did to finding a raptor um, a center where you can go and volunteer, that was the best thing for me because I worked with eagles, with owls, with red-tailed hawks, um, with kestrels, you know, all those type of animals. I had a chance to see them up close. Um, see how vicious they could be, not in by any means by their standards, but just if you have a wild animal um, and having to work with that wild animal, like you have to be on it. Like it's, oh, you have to really be on top of what you're doing, very deliberate in all your actions and, and having that experience because when you get that red tail or whatever it is you trap, depending on your state that first time, um, that's a wild animal that you have to work with. And so you really need to, to be prepared to deal with that. I mean, you're gonna, you're probably gonna bleed. It's, you know, it's part of what part of what falconry is about when you start. So, um, but it's incredibly, incredibly rewarding as well. So, you mentioned your wife earlier. Uh, what did she think about you keeping a, a pet hawk? Um, she she would love for it to be nicer. She, I mean, she loves owls and all that kind of stuff, and so she just thinks she should just be able to grab it and pet it and whatever. So, um, she's she's not as much of a fan of it since it's. The falconry is nothing like that, um, especially with wild trapped um, uh, red-tailed hawks and things. I think if you, when you get a little bit further advanced in falconry and you start um, working with captive bred or chamber reared birds, um, things can be a little bit different with with them, and they can be a little bit more uh, friendly towards you because they're actually, you know, had a chance to interact with humans when they're very young. And so that's a little bit different. Um, and so I think I, I haven't really talked to her about that too much because if she knows that um, we could end up with a chamber weird one, that's more like a puppy or something, you know, um, that's probably all she'd want me to do. Um, but that also comes with its own set of responsibilities that that type of bird, um, while you can use it for hunting and, and you free fly it, just like you would any other falconry bird, can never be released back into the wild um, because it was um, not brought up uh, in such a way that it can be released. And so that's a big responsibility. If you take on a bird like that, you're basically going to have it forever, um, or it will always be a falconer's, uh, bird. So, 
You seem to have a very interesting connection with nature. I mean, you're releasing your you're kind of saving birds in a way. You're you know you uh, you got into beekeeping. You're interested by animals and 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 things like that. Um, did you always have a connection with nature? Did you spend a lot of time camping when you were young or anything like that? Uh, I did actually. Um, there was a there was a time that I was um, homeless actually with my mother. So we would go camping all the time. And I actually, when I was a kid, I didn't realize we were, that we were homeless. I thought we were just, you know, camping for the summer. So my parents were divorced. And so um, I we I would go up and send the different uh, holidays with her. And, and um, sometimes we'd just camp. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I spent a lot of time out in the woods and climbing trees and do all that kind of stuff. And I've always been interested in, in uh, animals. I wanted to be a zoologist when I was a kid, um, but I wasn't ever any good at science so that was never really something i thought i could ever do and bees i was i'm actually allergic to bees um but i find them fascinating i did projects on them when i was a kid and so um when i got into making need um which i think is also a lot of fun then i was like well the most important part of making meat is honey so i might as well become a beekeeper and then i spent more money on becoming a beekeeper than i probably ever will spend on honey in my life um but um, I learned a skill from it and hopefully one of these days I'll have some honey to show for it. So, uh, I've only been doing it for about a year. Uh, so it typically it takes you a year or two to kind of get up to speed, um, with your bees producing and with beekeeping, you can only, there's two ways you can do it. You can either do beekeeping. I guess there's three, you can do beekeeping and not care about what you have and just let your bees go and do whatever. Um, or you can try to focus on growing your hive and use all your resources to grow your hives into more hives. Or you can use your bees to produce honey. And so for me right now, I've been trying to work on getting um, the bees to produce uh, more hives. And so I don't have a lot of honey to show for it because I keep using it for all my bees. Okay. So is, is it your goal to, pr to produce more honey? I guess yeah, that, that is the goal, right? Yeah. So once, once I have like four or five hives or something like that, then I'd look at um, actually getting the, the honey production going uh, for the need. But I've I've had a lot of fun on growing my hives from like basically one to right now I have three going, um, and I would have I should have four or five by the end of the year and hopefully some honey on top of that. So amazing! Uh, you just mentioned just casually like that that you were homeless for a little while when you were a kid. Sometimes, um, how has that shaped you as a grown up? I mean, I've I've been pretty independent most of my life, um, and so. You know, when, once I graduated college or once I finished high school, um, my father said, OK, um, I look at college. Uh, and that was pretty much I mean, I have a great relationship with my dad. I'm very fortunate. He's a tr wonderful man, but I wasn't able to live at my house anymore. So um, uh, I think there was one time where I came back from Germany or something. I didn't have a place to live. I stayed there for a couple of weeks, but um, it was very clear that, you know, once I graduated high school, I was no longer able to stay in my house. So um, I've always kind of been independent. And I think, um, you know, having to rely on myself and find you know, things to do is, is just kind of just the way it just, it's always been that way for me, I guess. Um, and, you know, I always like challenging myself with that kind of stuff too, and trying to figure stuff out. And when I was in, I lived in Maui for a while, I'd take my dog and we would go camping and I would bring a few packets of oatmeal uh, and some water, and then I would just catch my rest of my fish or forage or whatever else I could for for a few days, and I just enjoyed that a lot too. I like challenging myself with that kind of stuff, and so um, I don't know. I think uh, I, I can't really imagine that it'd be any different for me. I think you know I'm I'm happy with what I have. You know I I I think something my wife and I sometimes disagree on is that you know if we have chicken for more than two nights a week, she 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 doesn't like it. She wants to have chicken and beef and whatever else. I mean, I'll eat chicken for a month, you know, or ramen or whatever it is, you know, so that's just the kind of way I was, you know, I just, it's what I had, what I had, and I made do with it and I was happy. So, um, I guess I was very fortunate that, um, I grew up the way that I did because it, um, I think I'm pretty tolerant of a lot of situations and able to, to cope with a lot of things that, that sometimes is difficult. Um, I would think for, for some people to deal with, I, I guess I don't really know because uh, you just kind of put one foot in front of the other and you just keep going. Right. So. Exactly. And, uh, don't feel bad because my partner and I have the exact same discussion almost weekly, which is that I can eat the chicken too <laughs> for a while, yeah. for yeah. as long as necessary. Yeah. Uh, 
you mentioned Maui. How the heck did that happen? Uh, so um, I was planning on going out to Maui, um, and I at the time was dating a girl that had lived out there, and so I went out there for a vacation and um, ended up staying. Um, <laughs> and uh, she left, and I stayed on the island and ended up being there for six or seven years. And uh, it was a really cool experience for me. I worked on a snorkel boat for a while, which was interesting. Um, I also worked for the Maui Arts and Cultural Center, which is um, a really cool um, art center that had a very small venue. So we had like Elton John that went there and performed, and there's going to only be like 5,000 or 7,000 people there. So it was a very intimate kind of experience to be able to work there. And I, also, I saw so many things I would never pay to go. Like, I would never think, oh, I want to go see this artist. So I'm going to pay, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it is to go see it. But because I worked there, I ended up being exposed to all these different artists and, and um, performances that I would never have been able to, never would have wanted to experience. And was very thankful for that because it really exposed me to really um, creative people and, and um, music and dance and all those things, all these things that were really awesome. Um, and then I also just um, had a small apartment. Um, I did a lot of spear fishing, uh, caught a lot of food that way. I loved to camp. I loved to go up the mountains with my dog. And I just really kind of got into that whole Maui lifestyle for a while. But Maui is also um, a little bit of a, call it Neverland. It's kind of like you, you go to Maui when you're like escaping something or like you want to restart yourself or, or, you know, so it was, unless you have a relationship with somebody there, it's kind of difficult to, to have a, an adult relationship and kind of grow as an adult on that island. Um, and so I worked in the in the hotel industry for a while. I was making good money, um, but I ended up meeting my wife on uh, eHarmony, like the online dating site or whatever. And she happened to live in Florida, and so I ended up moving back here to Florida. And uh, and and so now I'm here. And being in Florida, how have, and, sorry, how long have you guys been together? Uh, probably five years now. Okay. Yeah, so we just got married a couple of years ago, um, and being grounded for the first time uh, allowed me to get a lot of these things going, like blacksmithing. And I actually, the first time I made anything was when I was like 17 at a Renaissance festival or something. I came across a blacksmith and fell in love with it and made or like this little knife or something, and then continued the rest of my life of moving around every couple of years to a new place. And so I never really got into blacksmithing or because it to do falconry and to do blacksmithing and things, you need to be a little bit more grounded. And I was always traveling some new place or always thinking I was going to leave or something at some point very soon. So I didn't really get into some of these hobbies as much as I would have liked to. But now that, you know, I'm here more grounded to have a wife, you know, it's, it's um, allowed me to pursue some of these things a little bit more than, than I could have before. I was always focused on traveling before, so. Yeah, I think it's actually really uh, interesting that you have this colorful history, really. You have, you know, um, maybe you didn't have roots so much when, when you were younger, and now you're grounded. And I think, though, that this um, this experience, you know, living in Maui, uh, you know, camping a lot, or so-called camping when you were young, yeah. um, makes you for a better presenter. Maybe it makes you even more relatable to your audience, don't you find? I mean, I've always liked talking with people and doing you know, engaging with people. Um, I never really, I didn't even realize I was homeless until like a couple of years ago. I didn't even know that was the thing. Like until I was talking to my mom one time and found out that we actually didn't have a place to live. Like I didn't, it really didn't occur to me. Like I didn't understand what was going on. I just really thought we were camping, you know? So, um, I mean, kudos to her, I guess, you know? Um, and of course when you're like, you know, 10 or 11 years old, or I think it probably up until I was like 14, 15 or something like that, we just, what we did you know so and i didn't really realize what was going on um i guess when you're the person going through it it's hard to look back from the outside and understand kind of like maybe this may be a better people person or, or whatever uh or maybe i'm a better presenter or because of these experiences um it's hard for me to judge because i'm the one that went through it you know i'm not the one that was serving it so um, but I like to, I like to think so. I, I like to try to engage with people. And I, you know, I, I think we all have our own personal circles that we go through. I've had a lot of them, you know, and I think, um, I mean, I went to therapy a lot when I was a kid. I mean, I had, I had some issues growing up with, with my family 
And one time I met my therapist and she's like, you made it. And, um, that was really cool to hear from her, you know, to kind of go through that because I had a lot of family trouble, um, parents divorced and all that. So I, th I think, you know, we all, we all experience our hardships and things. And, and, you know, if we continue to be positive and try to be good into the world and, and continue building on that, I think we can all get through it. And I think that was something I had to really, at one time, I remember told you I was in fights at school all the time, I was in middle classes, all these kind of stuff. You know, I was constantly focused on negative all the time, negative, negative, negative. And it was really dragging me down. So I started focusing on positive and found out I could get a lot more in my life accomplished if I was a happy guy that was friendly and all this kind of stuff. And then that just compounded on itself and brought me wonderful opportunities of traveling and meeting people and being on a podcast and, you know, whatever. I don't know. It just, um, I think you can get a lot more out of the world if you put good into it. So I just keep trying to encourage people to grow. And that's why I do the Twitch thing, you know, so I can keep hoping, inspiring people to create what they want to create and to build what they want to build because that's, I put that out there. And I think that it helps me build myself up, you know, it helps me stay creative and active and, and doing good things. So. Yeah, I think that without even knowing it, you might even, you know, the more you share with people, like you've just shared with me today, is that you might inspire people. And I think that's a good good role to be in. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, for sure. I mean, I, I think um, sometimes you all just need a little bit of help. And, and um, I think that's also a good place to go for, for Twitch. I don't think it's, um, I, I think it's the community that's there and the connections you can make with people are really, are real connections. And uh, so many of us are, especially right now, like with, with COVID and all that, you know, we're some, it's hard for people to travel. It's hard for people to engage and meet new people. And you can't just go to the park anymore, hang out, you know, without it being face masks and six feet apart and uh, meet my friends for beers and stuff doesn't really happen anymore. So, but you can still go online and have a human connection with somebody and learn and laugh and engage and share and all that. And, um, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, some of the people that, you know, I've been hanging out with, we've learned to kind of get through this thing together ourselves. So, um, you know, I just, um, I, I think we all find our creative ways of, of continuing to grow ourselves. And, um, and that's kind of what I focus on is always learning new things, always pushing myself, always trying to be creative and grow. Right. John, I see when I look at you, I see you know, a dude with a big beard. <laughs> I see that you have, you know, hobbies like you know, blacksmithing, falconry, beekeeping, those, these are all manly, you know, hobbies. Do you consider yourself a tough guy? Or do you consider yourself more of like a sensitive artsy person? Or do you consider yourself a little bit of both? I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I'm still the guy that can watch a documentary and connect with people and get a little bit cheery and stuff about, you know, seeing the person win, you know, whatever they're trying to win or whatever. And, um, you know, I, but I think, like most guys, I was always told, you know, I was a sissy or whatever and was, wasn't tough or whatever. And I think part of me when I was younger really tried to focus on that. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a while. I did a lot of security work. I did security stuff. And that actually helped me build a lot of my self-confidence um, doing those type of jobs, bouncing at clubs and things. Um and I was still the same guy I was before, but I just learned how to hold myself a different way and approach people differently and build myself confidence and all that. And so I, I, I'm very thankful that I was able to push myself in that direction to become the person that I am right now. And people, you know, it's joked about stuff like that in my stream and say like, oh, this is like the manliest stream ever. And that's, that's not really what it's about. It's just, this is the kind of stuff that I enjoy to do. And I like, you know, sharing these things i've been in these are all things i've been interested in as a kid and falconry and, and all that kind of stuff and blacksmithing you know and knights and shining armor and all that kind of stuff and bees i did projects on them in, in seventh grade um and now that i'm adult i actually get to live out my childhood fantasies um you know and, and hopefully maybe there's something you know that, that you were passionate about as a kid or one of these listeners were passionate about you know and then eventually you get to you're grown up and you get to get to pursue that stuff and and for me it just happens to be these hobbies that i do um i was obsessed with like ninjas and martial arts my mom and i used to watch kung fu movies all the time so there's jiu -jitsu <laughs> me <and> too <laughs> yeah i mean that was what we did to hang out you know we would just 
watch these really bad kung fu movies and so i'm interested in the whole i would love to go to china and like learn kung fu at a, you know up on the mountaintop somewhere like you know those kind of experiences i think would be would be fun and i don't i don't think um I, I i thought that would come up this whole manly thing about the stream and i don't really know how to how to approach it because i think you know it's just it's kind of the things that i do and i think anybody can do what i do it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman or whatever um one of the women the person one of the one of the people there's like three people that know how to swing a sledgehammer really hard and and one of these is, is a girl and she's scary and she she can hit metal like there's no tomorrow and it doesn't matter that she's a girl she's just a good blacksmith what's her and, name uh sarah uh sarah walker um and so she um i met her uh, at some of these blacksmithing co uh, conferences and um she is just a beast with the sledgehammer and i think that's something you can find anywhere i think we have these preconceived notions that you know i'm a i'm a girl i can't do this or whatever you know um or i'm a boy and i can't do this other thing i want to do you know and i th i think anybody can do any of that kind of stuff um it doesn't really matter what you are as long as you're passionate about it and then you'll be good if it's something you really put your time into it doesn't matter what you are you know and um and so that's that's why it never struck me with this whole thing about the stream. I just do what I like, and and I like to share that passion with people. And, and I get all different types of. I have one of my. I have this one of these streamers that hung, hangs out with me. Her name is Moist Goist, and she plays Sea of Thieves and some other stuff. But she likes watching my stream because um, her dad was a mechanic, and wanted to have a, a son or something, and. And for whatever reason, he didn't and worked with her on mechanic stuff. Or I don't know if she had a brother or something. But anyway, it was her and her dad that did all the mechanic stuff. And so she's a girl that knows how to actually work on her vehicle. And and she's good at it because she was interested in it. And she did that with her dad. And that's how they spent time together. And it doesn't matter. You know, typically, if you think of a mechanic, you think of a guy. You know, But uh, it can be, be anybody. As long as you're passionate about something... Um, there, you can, you can do anything. I think, and I think the whole preconceived notions that people have. I mean, who, I've I've told have had many people tell me I can't be a blacksmith, I can't be a falconer, I can't be a beekeeper because I'm allergic to bees. Um, streaming is never going to work. I can never get the stream going. You know, like you're going to have people in your life that tell you you can't do things all the time, and you're the one that can change that. You, know, you are a master of your own destiny. You can take the time. People can say, I don't have time for this, or whatever. You can find the time if you want to. Do you play video games? Yes or no? Well, then you have time to paint or whatever it is, you know? Watch TV, you have time to take some time from that and focus on something new. I just had a challenge on my Twitter, and I said, um, I think it was like a 30-minute power-up or something, and I said, let's take 30 minutes each day to, to learn a new skill or to practice something. And I think you have to put that intention towards it. Um, there's a guy, Harris Heller, um, who does a lot of videos on YouTube about Twitch and things. And he says something that really resonated with me is that he thinks about this goal or whatever that he has. And he'll be sitting on his couch and he'll think, do I really want to achieve this goal more than I want to sit on the couch? And if the answer is no, then he gets up and he goes and does whatever he needs to do. If the answer is yes, then he takes that day to rest. Um, if you want it, you know, just be disciplined. You got to work on that self-discipline, start off with small stuff, wake up, brush your teeth every day, make your bed, whatever it is to build that discipline in you so that you can take that 30 minutes, or whatever it is to build that skill and continue to grow. And, you know, you are the one that is in control of what you want to do. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Can. I mean... Very nice. I feel actually very motivated all of a sudden. <laughs> but listen, uh, John, one last very quick question. What is your favorite cigar? Oh, um, right now, I really love the, the Nub uh, cigars. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a light coffee flavor. And it's really fantastic with a cup of coffee. I never thought that was a thing. I didn't understand that you could have a, a cup of coffee and a cigar. But they actually bring out the the flavors in each other very nicely and um flavored cigars are something that i enjoy quite a bit i don't like super sweet ones that have like a a sweet and low taste i think a lot of cigars if you try to get sweet ones they have that kind of sugary taste to them 
but there's a few flavored cigars that don't have that. And those are the ones that I really enjoy. Another one is um, um, M by Macanado, I think it is. Um, that's another one that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, okay, and- very cool. Uh, listen, uh, we have to go, but I want to thank you for being a very uh, well-spoken and very transparent guest. In fact, I'm going to call you Sir John Hare <laughs> uh, from Burroughs Forge. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much, Julie. I, I had a lot of fun and, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me and, and to let me share a little bit about myself and what I do. So thank you. It's been a real joy. I hope everybody's going to go to Twitch and go check out Burroughs Forge and, uh, and say hi to John. Great. Thank you very much. Have a good day, guys. You can also catch me on Instagram or uh, Twitter um, or on YouTube, all at um, at Burroughs Forge, whatever those uh, channels happen to be. I luckily own all of those. So hopefully I'll see you guys soon. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.